Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Hello and welcome to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Jacob Stinnett. I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Columbus. And joining me in the studio is Brian Smith, a seminarian for the Diocese of Youngstown. Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking that you pour into our lives all the graces that we need to be able to respond to you in praise, in love, in everything that we do today. Guard our actions and guide them as we live lives that are worthy of you and that reflect you to the whole world. Now let's pray the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who Who art art in in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be be thy thy name. name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Brian, on the show we've talked a lot about different aspects of the Christian life, um, of seminary life, mm-hmm. Um We've talked about um, saints. We've talked about pilgrimages. Um, Today, I'd like to talk about something that is very important in the Christian life, but it's just as important in just being a person Mm -hmm. in human life. Um, You know, we listen in the car. We listen to the radio. Um, Yep. You all are listening to the radio right now. (laughs) Um, Talk radio, but... There's also, if you flip from the AM to the FM, a lot of that is music. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's kind of almost uh, just a daily part of being human is engaging somehow with music. Mm. Um, and the church engages with music. It's almost an essential part of Mass. Right. Right? We have, um, obviously, the Eucharist. Um, some things that maybe make or break a mass for some people mm. um, is the music. It's so important to worship. Yeah. Um, you can think of people preparing for their wedding. It's w- w- one of the first things they start talking about. Right. Who's going to sing the Ave Maria? Exactly. Or, <laughs> which, which songs are we going to have? <laughs> yeah. So music is so important to the Christian life um, and it's so important to human life too. Um, so it has, you could say, pre-Christian origins, right? So going oh, for sure. um, back even farther than the New Testament farther than the Old Testament or in other cultures mm-hmm. other than um, the Old Testament. We see music as very important. Um, there's lots of reflections on music that we take from outside the Christian tradition yeah. too. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that I was struck by comes from a philosopher named Aristotle mm-hmm. who wrote, as you mentioned, from a time before Christ um, and he was not himself necessarily very familiar with the Christian tradition in the Jewish faith, even. Mm-hmm. Right. He was, was writing. Greek. He was Greek. And he has books on many topics. And in a book that he wrote on politics and what a government looks like, 
he has some final chapters reflecting on education. How do you raise people? Mm-hmm. And they're not very many chapters, but one of the chapters that he has is music. So I guess that's a sign in and of itself that right. he even bothered to dedicate a whole chapter in a book on running a nation mm-hmm. to music. Yeah, on the, the right ordering of society, right. maybe. Music is essential a for that. A part of that, yeah. And it's a part of that education. And he's, and he's making a case for it being an element of education of young people. Mm-hmm. And in that discussion of music, he says that music is especially good for three things. Education, amusement, and even intellectual enjoyment. Mm. So... um the first two can be a little related, perhaps, but if you look at the middle one, definitely enjoyment. Music helps us appreciate life and relax. He right. talks a lot about relaxation. It helps right. us enter the state of relaxation, which is just an important part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Leisure is a good thing. Right. It's delightful. Yeah. And then beyond that, though, he says like music associated with other things, especially in song, can help us to appreciate even more and just feel a greater connection to the things that are being sung about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a connection. He says it can even lead us to virtue, and it can lead us to develop good habits, because okay. through singing about certain things, you know, mm-hmm. they have a deeper connection to us. Right. Yeah. Right. So you, we could say that music is formative. Right. In a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Awesome. So we have these reflections on music generally, from Aristotle, and then the the church took up music right away from the earliest days. Um, we can see traces of it even in the New Testament with some of the yeah hymns, and we can that we hard, find in there. Yeah, we might even say like she just kept it going. Because, sure, um, the church, of course, has her heritage in the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and throughout the Old Testament, you know. In the Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea, what's the first thing that people do once they've crossed the other side? They break out in song. Right. In different times throughout the Old Testament, we have similar things happen. And then, of course, in the book of the Psalms, right. that's we have a, whole hymn book. a book that's made to be sung. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what it sounds like, but we have descriptions at the beginning of some of them of the instruments that were supposed mm-hmm. to be used. We have names of tunes. For example, it'd be something like, this is to the tune of Mary Had a Little Lamb. So people <laughs> would have known back then what all the tunes sounded like. And... Um, even in the New Testament, we hear about Paul and I think a disciple of his Silas who were up all night singing and mm-hmm. praying. Mm-hmm. So singing was just part of the life of prayer in the temple and for the Jewish people that the church was very happy to keep practicing. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And once we get past biblical times, um, the church continues um, with this use the use of of song um, mm-hmm. as an essential part of prayer um, we see it in one of the earliest um, kind of catechetical books of the church called the Didache yeah which was written um, within the first hundred years after Christ's death it basically would be one of the oldest surviving books that's not part of the Bible right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the books of the Bible were probably written you know within the first 100 years of the church. So then that would be one of the first things that came after those. Right. So uh, in the Didache, they have explanations of living the moral life, um, practicing virtue. Um, They have descriptions of baptism, uh, the entrance into the Christian life. And they also have descriptions of 
the mass. Um, and one of the things that they have in the DDK is the hymn of thanksgiving mm-hmm. that the Christian church sang after receiving Holy Communion. Um, and we still have this hymn today. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, so one of the oldest... I only learned this a few years ago. ...extra biblical hymns, I suppose, um, is a hymn called Father, We Thank Thee Who Hast Planted. Yep. Um, and it's pretty much directly the text of the Didache. If you ever have a chance in your hymnal at the bottom beneath the hymns they usually give some basic information about who wrote it Mm -hmm. and when they wrote it and if the person who wrote the music is different from the person who wrote the text you know the the hymnal will tell you both of those things sure and you look at the bottom of that hymn i have a hymnal right in front of me father we thank thee is the hymn and beneath it it says didache and then it says circle 110 so it's around (laughs) the year 110 is when this one was written right and it tells you who translated into english and who Mm -hmm. wrote the melody that we sing Sure. So this is such an important hymn, in my opinion, for the church. Because yeah. it's, this is the hymn that we have sung mm-hmm. now for over 1900 years, yeah. if 110 is the the actual date, um, around mm-hmm. 110. Sometime so around then. Around 1900 <laughs> years we've been singing yeah. this. Um, maybe you can pick a couple of lines from the hymn that kind of show its, its um, importance for yeah. the Christian life and its connection to the Eucharist. It really shows how... It's such an early time in the history of the church, their understanding of what was happening at Mass and at the Eucharist is very much the same as what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, It talks about the gifts that Jesus gives us. We thank God for all these things, God the Father. Um, And it mentions that God gives us in Christ eternal bread. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. And it says that in this bread that was scattered on the hillsides the, mm-hmm. in the grain, like the wheat that we collected. You know, now in the bread, all that wheat has made one mm-hmm. and it prays that the church can be made one just like all that wheat was made one in one loaf of bread. Um, wow. So it's it has that formative aspect that mm-hmm. Aristotle was talking about with music. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're bringing it into um, the Christian tradition, uh, yeah. making music formative it's telling us something about our faith um, and because it's set to a melody um, and it's it's words we all know mm-hmm. we can carry it with us even after we're done singing yeah. it and it kind of internalizes sometimes people complain about having an earworm or a song that's stuck in their head mm-hmm. but really that's almost the point of it right <laughs> because right. it's going to stick with you it's going to go with you mm-hmm. throughout the day so um just a, a short plug here is that some of the, what we choose to listen to in music, you know, can be an important decision that it's worth giving some thought to because those things that we're listening to do start to become ingrained in us and Mm -hmm. can influence our thought and our thought informs our action. So, you know, choosing music that really does speak to what is good and true and beautiful and what uplifts us and leads us to do good things can be really important. Yes, music is so important to just the human experience, um, which finds its highest point in liturgy. Right. You've been listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus, and joining me in the studio today is Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown. Today we've been talking about music in the Christian life, um, its importance 
formationally, um, giving us knowledge that we can take with us and internalize um, so it then affects our actions, mm-hmm. um, hopefully loving actions, um, in our daily lives. So um, we've been talking about one of the earliest Christian hymns that um, we have from circa 110 mm-hmm. um, A.D. Uh, Father, we thank thee who has planted. Um, and then we can look forward uh, more and more through the Christian tradition to different forms of music that have come up. Um, yeah. In the medieval period, um, there is development of chant music. Right. So chant, once again, you know, goes back to very ancient times. Mm-hmm. Um, we often identify, when we talk about Gregorian chant, there's like eight different modes we sing in. So that means like what it sounds like. There's eight main forms. Mm-hmm. And often the Psalms were sung to chant modes. And in the history of the church then, as we progressed, um, in the Mass, we sing other things besides just the Psalms. So those new texts were set to similar modes. And chant is usually just like one line of notes sung by itself, one melody. Mm-hmm. Everyone's singing the same notes together. And then, as you mentioned, especially in the Middle Ages, so around the year 1000, before and after that, um, new styles of music started to come about where instead of just one melody being sung, mm-hmm. there were two different parts singing, making harmony together. Um and that started growing, growing more and more over the centuries. And that became part of the um, heritage of Christian, Catholic, you know, sacred music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you talked about um, some of these are psalms, some of them are other biblical texts. Right. right? So es- especially in the Mass, you know, we look, what's the kind of the foundation of the music of the Mass? And... When we look at what we sing at Mass, there's two main types of songs. Uh, And the church calls them the ordinary chants or songs at Mass and the proper chants at Mass. And it's pretty easy to distinguish between the two because the ordinary is the stuff that we sing every time we come together for Mass. Sure. So So, the Gloria. Yeah, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. The Gloria, the Holy Holy, the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord have mercy, for example. Sure. Um, these things are part of the ordinary of the Mass. Bread and butter of the Mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some, many of them are scriptural in origin. The Gloria, mm-hmm. the Song of the Angels. Right. You know, and then we have some more prayers in addition to that. The Holy Holy comes from the Old Testament especially, and we see it in the book of Revelation too. Mm-hmm. The heavenly worship. Um, and then, in addition to the ordinary, those those proper chants. So, things that we sing at Mass that reflect what's going on that day specifically. So that could relate to what we're reading about in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Maybe the songs help just bring to life what we're reading about in Scripture, or they help us to reflect more on what we're celebrating that day. Sure. Like at Christmas, um, the chants and the music reflects the birth of Christ, God right. coming into the world, living among his people. Um, and in the history of the Mass, that second group, the propers, for a long time was always the same. So like every Christmas, you began with the same song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The third Sunday after Christmas, you know, same song for the first one. Um, And there's some 
freedom now to choose not just maybe that one chant for Christmas, but you can sing a hymn too. Mm-hmm. The idea is that the hymn that you choose relates still to that same idea, the same mystery. So we can pick the propers, what they're going to be, be it those chants that are usually psalms, or we can pick other hymns, which are more what we're used to that are verses set out, maybe with a refrain, reflecting mm-hmm. though on a theme. Right. So all of the music in the Mass is supposed to kind of help bring us into whatever it is that we're focusing on today. Maybe yeah. it's the birth of Christ at Christmas or any of the feasts of Our Lady. We have lots of Marian hymns um, in the church um, or whatever it may be. Um, One other interesting thing about that time period you were mentioning in the Middle Ages is that especially at that time, we started to have a lot of songs, chants coming about that were written by specific people that we know. Sure. Um, so two examples that come to mind, St. Ambrose, who actually lived very early <laughs> Right. The 4th century, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, 4th and 5th centuries, I believe. 4th and 5th century. He wrote a number of hymns that we still sing today. Mm-hmm. And they're especially hymns that we'll sing not at Mass, but, you know, priests and religious will pray throughout the day. So right. we'll sing especially a number of hymns by St. Ambrose at the different times of the day. Mm-hmm. And then St. Thomas Aquinas left us a number of hymns. And people often don't even realize that some of the things we sing are by him. Some of the most famous ones we associate with um, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Sure. Um, There are two songs that people might be familiar with. When adoration begins, there's a song that begins, O Salutaris Hostia, Mm -hmm. O Saving Victim, Who Open Wide the the Gates of Heaven. St. Thomas wrote this hymn for the feast of the body of our Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And now we sing it, we almost forget that it's by him. We just think it's an ancient church tradition. It's less than a thousand years old in the history of the church. Sure. Um, but Which it's, I suppose for the church is kind of recent. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then the other hymn, Tantum Ergo, mm-hmm. you know, bowing down before our Lord at the end of exposition and benediction. Also, another hymn by St. Thomas. Um, we associate these and lump them together just as part of Gregorian chant too, but... There's some chant that's psalms and some chant that's written, you know, by people. And we know who it's written by. So even today, you know, that's still a possibility of writing chant and um, adding, especially for the celebration of saints, you know, Mm -hmm. new repertoire in that sense. Awesome. So we've been talking about chant. We've been talking about hymns. um, And the church uses both. It's always used both, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've had an appreciation for both the chant um, mm-hmm. tradition and also for the hymn tradition. Can I say one thing really quickly Please. about the two? So with chant specifically, you know, it's very reflective mm-hmm. where you often have like one person or choir singing and, you know, there's a lot of listening going on, just reflecting. Chant tends to have a lot of notes on just one little syllable. Mm. <laughs> so that, time, that way it can just really enter into us. And maybe everyone will sing an antiphon, kind of like the responsorial psalm at Mass. Everyone sure. will sing something, and the choir will continue singing a verse, and we'll go back and forth. So chant is reflective like that. And then hymns, um, we know that hymns usually have a number of verses. So in in the really old practice of the monasteries, they would be sung back and forth. They would divide themselves up into two halves mm-hmm. in the chapel. One half would sing the first verse, and the other half would sing the second one. That way, even in 
a hymn, which is a little bit more like fast paced and sure. moving forward all the time, mm-hmm. there, there's still an opportunity to not only sing, but also reflect by listening. Sure. So, so even when we're singing our hymns, we might sing the whole thing, but we're also called to be trying to cultivate that idea of, you know, reflecting, reflection and receiving it. Wonderful. So that kind of maybe brings us up to um, the modern period, the church of today. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church has written quite a bit on music in the last uh, few years, mm-hmm. maybe in the past uh, 25 years or so. Um, one that the church has talked about is the um, in the Missal. The, it's called the General Instruction to the Roman Missal, yeah. the, the book we use that has all the prayers for the Mass in it. Mm-hmm. And in there, they talk about music. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, the, the missile begins with that instruction that helps us to really understand how we should pray the Mass. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the people who are leading it, you know, what should they be doing to make sure that everyone can really pray well. And the general instruction has a, a short section on singing, um, but it really recommends music as part of, of Mass and liturgy. Right. So it recognizes how formative... It says... Um, Great importance <laughs> should therefore be attached to the use of singing in the celebration of the mass. Yeah, um, and it reminds us something that Saint Augustine said, which is that singing is for one who loves. Kind of relating to back what we what we said earlier towards the beginning. You know, singing is more than just what we're saying. And how we're saying it, but it involves even our emotions and draws us into a real commitment of what we're doing. Um, and the, the instruction there really calls us to be sensitive to the ways that music is going to connect most with the people, you know, that are celebrating Mass. And the United States bishops as well have given some instructions on singing in the Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty helpful because it's a document that is attentive to basically what we have going on in our country. Uh, the document is fittingly called Sing to the Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> taken straight from the Psalms. And you know, the bishops remind us how song has been present throughout the history of the Christian people and how even what we're striving for, the heavenly banquet in the book of Revelation is described with song. You know, that's... Mm-hmm some of the high points of the book of Revelation are those different songs that the, those who are around the throne of God are singing. Right. So we're in the Mass entering into the heavenly banquet now, so song's going to be an important element of that. Um, so, yeah, those, those things are, are helpful. Those books have a lot of other instructions, especially the bishop's document, concrete information about what we should be singing at Mass. They talk about those Ordinary chants and proper chants, you know, the <laughs> things we sing all the time and the things we sing on specific days, too. And um, they're, they're a pretty helpful resource for, for anyone who's working with music in a parish, sing to the Lord especially. Wonderful. So the church um, is very attentive to the role that music plays um, in our lives in the Mass. Um, I'm reminded of a quote that Pope Benedict wrote when he was writing about music. He says, when man comes into contact with God, mere speech is not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the power that music has. um, When we sing something, there's something about that that's 
almost worth even more than if yeah. we were to just say it, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think we, we've all heard the quote from St. Augustine that singing is uh, praying twice, Yep. right? Um, so what might that mean for music in the Mass? Isn't the Mass already a prayer? Um, yeah. So since it's our source and summit of prayer, you know, mm-hmm. we have this desire to really give everything of ourselves to it. So it's it would almost be cheating the people who come to Mass if we didn't give them a chance to sing because we're recognizing the good things God does for us, the love that he has for us. And once we really see God for who he is, how he is concerned for us, then we want to kind of respond with our whole being. Mm-hmm. So it's only fair <laughs> right. that we have music, really. <laughs> awesome. The last thing um, that I wanted to bring up is actually a continuation of that quote from Pope Benedict. Um, he says, Indeed, man's own being is insufficient for what he has to express. Mm-hmm. And so he invites the whole of creation to become a song with him. Um, so it's um, it's not just our worship, but we're bringing all of creation to God through song. Um, we recognize how um, powerful, how holy, how loving God is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to bring him everything that we can. We, when, when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours in the seminary, not only do we pray the Psalms, but we pray from Daniel Mm-hmm. chapter three, I think the song of the three young men in the furnace right. after they're saved from the furnace, they just sing out the praise of God and they call on all of creation to sing with them. And we keep praying over and over again, you know, animals of the earth, bless the Lord, mm-hmm. fire and heat, bless the Lord. And I like even looking at the flame in the candles when we're doing that and say, all right, it's your turn now. Bless right. the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm reminded of, of a line from the hymn, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Um, the very last um, verse mm. begins with the words, uh, mortals join the mighty chorus, which the morning, the morning stars, stars began. Yeah. Um, so we're, it's all of creation entering into this love of God, um, of thanksgiving for having been created. That's a beautiful image. Yeah. You've been listening to the seminarian show, um, on St. Gabriel Catholic radio. All of our episodes can be found archived online at St. Now let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was was in the the beginning, beginning, it is now, now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of the seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at saintgabrielradio.com. Veni, Sa-